Tonight, America votes, the crescendo in a crucial campaign for control. The ballot count is underway in key midterm battlegrounds. I felt like it was really important to come out this year. What the early results reveal. No deal as cracks grow in Canada's health care system. Nobody has time. Everybody's short-staffed. Frustration while politicians haggle over funding. The need is obvious everywhere. Plus, a deepening controversy ahead of the World Cup kickoff. They have to accept our rules. Homophobic remarks from a host country slammed for its human rights record. CTV National News with Omar Sachedina, reporting tonight from Washington. The power that comes from controlling Congress is in the hands of voters tonight. Good evening, everyone. Results are pouring in as an unpredictable U.S. midterm campaign comes to a close with wide-ranging ramifications on the White House. Long lines of people casting ballots like this one in Chicago were seen right across this country today. Up for grabs tonight, 435 seats in the House, with Republicans needing five for control, 36 races for governor, and 35 Senate races. Republicans need just one seat there. It started tonight on a knife's edge in a 50-50 draw, including two independents who typically vote Democrat. And here's where it is now. The Senate is a very tight race that remains too close to call. And in the House, the Republicans are also out in front. Let's bring in CTV's Washington Bureau Chief Joy Malbin right now. And we talked about how close that Senate still is, even in these early hours. Let's start with Pennsylvania. And it's looking pretty good for John Fetterman so far. Yeah, John Fetterman, he, he fought a really brutal race. He had a debilitating stroke. Uh, but, I mean, he's, he's Philadelphia. He's Pennsylvania in that rocky-esque hoodie and in the shorts. Uh, but he had a brutal debate against celebrity Dr. Oz, um, who was endorsed by Donald Trump. Uh, but, you know, he, he kind of defined uh, Dr. Oz right away by saying, look, this is a guy from out of town. Uh, this is a guy you just can't trust him. So it, it's looking good for him. But, uh, you know, in Philadelphia, they're still counting those votes and there are thousands up for grabs. There certainly are. Let's move on to uh, Ohio now and a 38-year-old venture capitalist, a relative newcomer to politics, J.D. Vance, keeping the Republican Senate seat there. Yeah, that's an interesting race. You know, uh, Ohio is no longer a battleground state. J.D. Vance is the author of Hillbilly Elegy. He once called Donald Trump stupid and an idiot, but they apparently kissed and made up because Trump endorsed him, and he won Ohio. Um, so, so that is, uh, you know, good for Republicans, but as one Senator Lindsey Graham said, you know, if we were looking at a wave, sure doesn't look like one. Maybe a ripple. You mentioned Donald Trump there, uh, Joy, not too long ago. He spoke tonight. What did he say? Donald Trump. <laughs> he, he took credit for a lot of these... Um candidates that he endorsed. But it's interesting because a lot of the election deniers, the so-called fringe candidates, they're not winning. Um, and, and it's Republicans, you know, regular Republican candidates that are, um, you know, he's been teasing us with a third presidential run, uh, perhaps an announcement next week. Um, but he certainly wanted to take credit tonight. But he also said, you know what? 
don't blame me if they lose. Remarkable how much focus there has been on Trump, especially considering his name, Joy, wasn't even on the ballot tonight. Not on the ballot, but we're talking about 2024, the presidential race already. And what's interesting is his chief rival, Ron DeSantis, won in a landslide. And a lot of Republicans, they're having conversations right now saying, hmm, maybe this is a more electable package than all the baggage with Donald Trump. I'll well, see what happens. Joy Melvin, thank you so much. We'll have you on a little bit later on in the show. A Senate race in Georgia is on a lot of people's minds tonight. Former football star Herschel Walker asked his supporters to hold on for what could be a very long night. I don't come to lose. Uh, and I told you, he's going to be tough to beat. He's going to be tough to beat, but let me tell you what, he got the wrong Georgia on him. So I want to tell y'all, if you can hang in, hang in there a little bit longer. And here, are, here is, rather, where things stand right now. Warnock has a very uh, narrow lead in what could be a very long night as those results come in. Let's uh, get to Richard Madden right now, who is watching the contest from downtown Atlanta. Uh, what can we see in these results? It is, it's a nail-biter, Richard. Yeah, it sure is. And to use a football cliche, it looks like we're definitely heading into overtime because this is a very tight race. But something that's really interesting here, you got to dig down and look at the Republican votes because Republicans sure turned out and voted for Governor Brian Kemp, who handedly defeated Democrat Stacey Abrams for the governor's mansion. But those same Republicans weren't really voting for Herschel Walker. In other words, Walker appears to be underperforming. It's what is called a split ticket where voters came out, Republicans came out to vote for Kemp, but they're not really coming out for Herschel Walker. He should be doing a lot better than what he is right now. So that's a race that's really turned out to be an interesting one. And the person who benefits from this, of course, is Raphael Warnock. I don't, I still think this is way, this race is way too close to call. Uh, and this state could hold, tip the balance of power because who, whichever party wins here could be the result of a majority in the Senate. So all eyes here in Georgia, the once deep, red, reliable Republican state is a big toss up. Richard, very quickly, you've been reporting a lot about fears of voter yeah. suppression in Georgia over the past few days. What have you noticed at polling yeah. stations today? Yeah, turnout has been off the charts. Uh, advanced polling has hit record levels. So Georgians are really coming out in droves in this important midterm elections. But there have been reports of African-American voters who are challenged through their for their eligibility to vote. This is under Georgia's Voter Integrity Act. That's created a lot of accusations of voter suppression. Many of these cases have been resolved. But clearly, for many African-American voters, they're thinking that uh, they're targeted in some sort of... Some, some, uh, a suppression-style vote that is thwarting them from turning out to the polls. All right, Richard Madden in Atlanta tonight. Richard, thanks. Some of the tighter races are in the West, where polls close later. Across Arizona today, there have been long lines at polling stations. The Senate race in the state could come down to the wire. Let's go now to CTV's Tom Walters, positioned at Democratic incumbent Mark Kelly's headquarters in Tucson, Arizona, where the former astronaut is facing a challenge from a Republican endorsed by Donald Trump. And Tom, uh, I feel like I'm hearing cheers in the background. A lot of jubilation already. Yeah. Well, Mark Kelly is expected to be here very, very soon, Omar. And um, it is early to celebrate here, much too early. Because, you know, it's maybe it's a measure of this profoundly divided country that, uh, you know, Democrats and Republicans don't just vote differently. They have different ways of voting. 
The first half of this vote count has been the advance mail-in ballot, which skews very heavily Democrat. So for the last couple of hours, Democrats here have been watching their slate of candidates with overwhelming leads against a mega, mega ticket from uh, the Republicans. But now we're starting to see the votes coming in from the day of voting, which skews much more heavily Republican, and we're already starting to see some of those leads whittling down a little bit for the Democrats. So the question is whether or not that gap is going to narrow all the way to a tie, to a tipping point. Uh, but certainly the, the polling here suggested that this uh, contest was going to come, as you say, down to the wire. And Tom, I know you spent some time in uh, Nevada. Tell us what's happening in that state tonight. Well, in Nevada, we're seeing uh, early returns favoring the Democrat incumbent, Catherine Cortez Masto. Adam Laxalt, the Republican, though, had a little bit of a lead in the polls going in. But we're watching these two states because uh, with such a close race for the Senate, Arizona or Nevada could really be tipping point states. All right, Tom Walters in Tucson, Arizona tonight. Tom, thanks. I'm joined now by political analyst Eric Hammond. If you're a Democrat watching tonight, you've got to be feeling pretty good. Yeah, they're breathing a sigh of relief, certainly right now. And this was expected to be a red wave. They expected to see Republicans pick up seats running on crime, inflation, the economy. But right now, the president's party is holding on and they're holding strong. Of course, we still got more races to call, more races to look at. But it looks like Fetterman is, may actually uh, take that seat uh, for, for Democrats there, which means Republicans have to find a way to win in Nevada and Arizona. Right now, Arizona's not looking as likely. So they've got to rest all of their hopes on possibly taking Nevada. It could be a very, very long night. Take us through to tomorrow. What can we expect then? I think there's... If Republicans do not pick up the Senate, and based on what we're seeing right now, their net gain in the House, the highest it will be is 13 seats. It's looking like it may be even less than that. And then, of course, one of the uh, most ardent uh, detractors of Donald Trump, I'm sorry, of uh, Joe Biden, is Lauren Boebert of Colorado. It looks like she may lose her seat. So I think tomorrow we're going to see Republicans try to put a spin, a, as good a spin as possible on what is what many are going to say is undoubtedly a lackluster night. Eric, from an outsider looking in, they're looking at the U.S. and they're looking at a country that is deeply divided, fractured, polarized, and that seems to be getting more and more intense. Why hasn't the president been able to bring the country together to form the United States of America? Well, I think I think the president, if if tonight holds, I think we will see the president actually getting an assist uh, from the country because what they will be saying is, we do not want to see election deniers in charge of elections or running our, our state uh, governorships or in, 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 in Washington. And so I think uh, the president's message will have resonated. And I think we will see not only the president, but other Democrats continue to amplify that message heading into 2024. All right, Eric Ham, appreciate your perspective. Thank you so much. You bet. Thank you. And fears of a January 6th style attack on Parliament Hill led to a remarkable exchange between the prime minister and the premier of Ontario. At the Emergencies Act inquiry, a transcript revealed details of a February phone call between Justin Trudeau and Doug Ford. Ontario was investigating new ways to help police deal with blockades at the Windsor border. At the time, the Prime Minister told the Premier they shouldn't need more legal tools. 
We uh, need to make sure, needed to make sure that uh, we were trying to get things done without having to bring in extraordinary powers. Five days later, the Trudeau government invoked the Emergencies Act. And there is deep disappointment in the feds tonight from the provinces and territories banking on an increase to federal health spending. No deal and no relief for patients and families. Today, Ottawa Bureau Chief Joyce Napier talks about a system showing signs of being in critical condition. For most of her life, Janet Waterman believed Canada had the best health care system in the world until her elderly parents were taken to an overcrowded emergency. I just kept talking to doctors and social workers and anybody who would listen to me. And I said, please, please, you have to take care of them. You have to admit them. It took 15 hours of negotiating for her parents, who are both over 95 years old, to finally be admitted. Now they need the health care system and it's failing them. The failing health care system was top of the agenda at the meeting of the federal, provincial and territorial health ministers in Vancouver. The provinces blame Ottawa for not even wanting to discuss increasing the funding, the federal transfers they say they badly need, from 22% of the cost to 35%. The need is obvious everywhere, in every emergency room, in every, uh, in every primary care clinic, in every uh, ambulance service, everywhere in Canada. This as wait times for surgery get longer and longer and one in five Canadians are now left without a family doctor. We got an email saying you've been dropped from our practice. Cheryl Hammond, a former cancer patient, is shopping for a doctor. So far no luck in finding one willing to take her on as a patient. Why are we shortcutting something that taxpayers pay for? Where's the money that came from my taxes? Paging Dr. Purcell. A battle is looming with the provinces launching this campaign a few weeks ago. If you're losing your doctors and nurses, it's Ottawa you should blame. And the tone at the meeting in Vancouver got even more bitter. Premiers are forcing my colleagues to speak only of one thing, and one thing only, money. There is no plan, not even a constructive conversation between Ottawa and the provinces on how to fix the health care system. No progress. That's how the provinces put it this evening. Omar? A troubling stalemate. Joyce Napier in Ottawa tonight. Global Affairs confirmed a second Canadian has died in Ukraine. He was a veteran and was reportedly killed volunteering on the front lines in the fight against Russia. According to the Toronto Star, 33-year-old Joseph Hildebrand died in an explosion during a mission in the occupied Donetsk region. Hildebrand is from Saskatchewan and had served two tours in Afghanistan with the Canadian forces. Time for a short break, but when we come back... It actually increases the opportunity for persecution. The World Cup host countries red card foul on gay rights. Plus... Yeah. yeah, I need a partner with, you know, really deep pockets. Ryan Reynolds sets his sights on owning the Sens. Welcome back to the U.S. Capitol. This country was in the running to host the 2022 World Cup before the winning bid, of course, went to Qatar. The tournament begins in just 12 days, but tonight there is intense backlash over open bigotry. CTV's Heather Wright explains. Inside two weeks until kickoff. They have to accept our rules here. More controversy in Qatar over homophobic comments made by a World Cup ambassador. Khalid Salman told a German broadcaster that homosexuality is, quote, haram and damage in the mind. 
Why is haram? I am not big, one big Muslim, but it's haram. Why? Because it's damaging the mind. Homosexuality is illegal in the conservative Muslim country, and despite assurances from organizers that all will be welcome, human rights groups are concerned for LGBTQ2S plus people traveling for the tournament and its treatment of its own gay citizens. When these comments are made, it actually increases the opportunity for persecution uh, faced by those individuals in the country. Kamali Powell is the executive director of Rainbow Railroad, an organization that helps relocate LGBTQ2S plus people facing persecution. He says the World Cup is an opportunity to shine a light, but says protesters should be cautious. It is sometimes a gift to have Western protests because that only serves as fuel to their message that homosexuality is a Western cons construct. Ever since Qatar was awarded the World Cup in 2010, the tournament has been mired in controversy over its treatment of migrant workers, human rights, and allegations of bribery and corruption. Today, former FIFA president Seth Blatter told a Swiss newspaper, Qatar is a mistake. It was a bad choice, and I was responsible for that as president at the time. Blatter is currently banned from football for multiple breaches of FIFA's ethics code. Asked why he thinks Qatar was a bad choice, Blatter didn't mention human rights concerns. Instead, he pointed to the size of the country, which is roughly the same as Connecticut. Omar. And about twice the size of Prince Edward Island. All right, Heather, thank you. And Canadian actor Ryan Reynolds, who is already part owner of a soccer team, is looking to expand his sports portfolio at home. He confirmed on The Tonight Show he is interested in pro hockey. NHL team, the Ottawa Senators, I am trying to, to do that. It's a very expensive, so, you know, I need to partner with, you know, really deep pockets. And no wonder the team is worth more than half a billion dollars U.S. A seven-year-old Manitoba boy bullied for his hockey card collection last month is proving kindness wins. Strangers across North America are helping Winston Martin rebuild his collection. Most of the 5,000 cards from uh, shipped from all over the place, from the east to the west coast of Canada. From Nunavut to New York, the messages and cards are still coming. Winston and his family are very thankful and plan to share his doubles with Winston's classmates. Spreading that generosity. And still ahead tonight, a generous jackpot, a $2 billion prize. California dreaming. The winning Powerball ticket was sold here. On this Indigenous Veterans Day, we are reflecting on the courage of soldiers who served on the front lines of war, only to be treated as second class at home. For tonight's Indigenous Circle, CTV's Vanessa Lee on the important lesson for the next generation. On this National Day of Remembrance, these Quebec students are getting a history lesson far more valuable than any textbook. Give them a salute. The other hand, the other hand. A well-deserved salute to Indigenous veterans who, despite their service and sacrifice, were deprived of honours and benefits. A lot of them suffered on their own, you know, whether it was PTSD, uh, you know, coming back home after what they experienced uh, with wounds. We didn't get the same outlook that non-Natives had. In communities across the country, Canadians are paying tribute to the estimated 12,000 First Nations, Métis and Inuit people who have served. 
For the first time in the town's history, Ingersoll, Ontario hosted a ceremony to honour Indigenous veterans. The people in this community are behind Indigenous people. Veterans say these are also moments on a journey of healing as more and more people recognize this day, which was inaugurated in Winnipeg back in 1994. As we go forward and continue to go forward with reconciliation and, and other matters, that this is part of the whole journey of it and knowing the, knowing the full story, not just little parts of it here and there. Cameron Nolan reflects on the story of his ancestors as he lays a wreath for the fallen. If it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be here. Really all I could say is thank you to them. Once forgotten soldiers, forever heroes. Vanessa Lee, CTV News, Shadowgay, Quebec. Heroes indeed. And we will bring you live coverage of the National Remembrance Day ceremony from Ottawa. That's on Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 Pacific. And on this consequential day in America, a glimpse into the political future and the potential return of Donald Trump. Stay with us. Welcome back to Washington, America's seat of power, which is the prize in these midterms. The record prize in tonight's Powerball drop, a jackpot worth more than $2 billion. Yes, that's billion with a B. And the winning ticket was sold at Joe's Service Center in Altadena, California, just north of Los Angeles. That's Joe receiving his million-dollar seller's bonus. We'll see if anyone comes forward to claim grand prize. A lot of ticket holders checking their numbers tonight. And still a lot of votes to be counted in this election. We've brought back Washington Bureau Chief Joy Melbourne for some final thoughts. Joy, you've been in Washington for 17 years. These midterm elections have been polarizing. They've been divisive. Is this just all a sign of what's to come in 2024? Welcome to the presidential race, Omar. It has already begun. Donald Trump has been chomping at the bit, teasing uh, this third presidential run of his with a big announcement next week in, in Mar-a-Lago. And Joe Biden intends to run against him. Uh, but there are conversations going on right now. Joe Biden's going to be 80. Uh, you know, is there someone else waiting in the wings? But if not Joe, then who? Uh, big questions going on. But yeah, the race is on. Interesting days and months ahead and a very consequential night here in America. Joy, thank you so much. And that's a snapshot of this Tuesday for Joy and all of us at CTV National News. Thank you for watching. I'll be back in the National Newsroom tomorrow. For now, good night from Washington. Five crucial questions to expose the truth. Who's at risk? What needs to change? When will justice be done? There was actually a plot to kill you. Where's the proof? Why did this happen? Watch W5 Saturdays at 7 on CTV.